this morning and that way you will know when I am to the end. I want to cover about four or five points. I want to cover the, I call part one is the aptitude. The second part I want to cover is actions. The third part I want to cover is attitude. And the fourth part I want to cover is um, the solution. I decided to I had seven parts, but I'm going to split up this message because I think it's that significant for where God wants to take us as a community and you as an individual. Amen. And, and so the title of this message is, But You Said. But You Said. But You Said. That's, that's the title of this book, Malachi. Tell, turn to the person next to you and tell them, God said, but you said. And that's the kind of dialogue that's going to be going on through, throughout this entire book. God is saying, I said, but you said. And you know, that's not a good thing when God says something, but you say something different. Because the word but is a conjunction, which means basically whatever was said before has been totally erased. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Someone will say, you know, I like your dress, I like your makeup, I like your slacks, I like the way you look, I like the, the, the I like, I like, I'll just say 10 I likes, and then they say but. And immediately you forgot everything. Are you with me? that they said prior to that. And that's what kind of what's going on with God. God is saying, I said this, but you said. Now, one of the things as we travel through the Bible and, and, and in the fall we're going to go into the, the, um, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm really excited about that uh, because you cannot preach the Gospel until you know who Jesus Christ is. So we're going to talk about that over the fall. Uh, but I want to uh, talk to you about a few things as we travel to the Bible. The historical parts of the Bible start with Joshua. So you go Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And so when you look at Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the assumption can be is that uh, uh, Ezra, or uh, uh, Nehemiah comes after Ezra, and Esther comes after Nehemiah, and that the Bible is written or, or in sequential order or 
chronological order, and then Malachi is thou, you know, a gazillion years later, not a gazillion, but thousands of years later, because it's so far back in the back of the 39 books in the Old Testament. But I want to talk to you how it goes chronologically. So the book of Esther, even though it's the last of the historical books, it, it's actually first in our order of what we're doing. Esther deals with the rescue of God's people, and that took place in 465 BC. Uh, and to celebrate that rescue of God's people from genocide, the Jewish from the genocide, uh, even uh, up to now, it, the Jewish people celebrate that as the, the, um, the uh, Feast of Purim, P-U-R-I-M. And they celebrate that up to now. So this has happened, think about it, something that happened almost 2,500 years ago, the Jewish people still celebrate it. It was celebrated in March. They still celebrate it even now. Uh, and so you see, uh, when, when the Bible talks about Mordecai saying to Esther in chapter 4, who knows, maybe you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Because she took her kingdom assignment, it is still celebrated 2,500 years later. Who knows what you may be doing now that will be celebrated in lives years from now, generations from now. Praise the Lord. Then after Esther which deals with the rescue of God's people. Ezra deals with the reform of God's people. In other words, God's people, they're released from Persia and they return back to their land because remember they were exiled from their land through Nebuchadnezzar, but now they get to return back to their land through Cyrus, the king of Persia. And uh, Ezra uh, uh, produces some reforms with, with regards to instituting the law and how, how the Jewish people are to be holy as God is holy and that there's a difference between the Jews and, and the surrounding Gentile nations. And even right now, God says that there ought to be a difference between Brian Green, the Christian, and those who are not Christian. Amen. Christian, Christian. And Christian gets a bad name, but really the word Christian simply means full of Christ. I am full of Christ. My behavior should demonstrate that I'm full of Christ. And then, then after Ezra, there is Nehemiah, and that's 445 to 432 BC, and he brings restoration to God's people. That's where he builds the wall and he institutes government so that there's structure. So Ezra deals with structure on the inside, Nehemiah deals with structure on the outside. Are you following me so far? And then now we come to Malachi, who deals with the repentance of God's people. And what you may not know is that though Nehemiah and, es and, and, and Malachi are, I don't know, 20, no, 10, well, maybe 10 books apart, that Nehemiah and Malachi were actually contemporaries. They, they ministered during the same era and the same time. And Malachi deals with the repentance of God's people. Because though God rescued his people, though God reforms his people, though God restores his people, people still ended up not doing what God told them to do. 
going their own way. Are we as sheep have gone astray? Each of us turning our own separate ways. We're going our own ways. And so God calls Malachi to call to ask God's people to repent. All repent means is that you're going in one direction and you need to make a 180 degree turn and go in the opposite direction. Are you with me? And then, unfortunately, God's people did not repent. And so now, between Malachi and Matthew, there are, though it's a flip of a page, it's called the 400 silent years where there is no prophecy. There's no inspired word from the, from the Lord. And though there are many Bibles that have a section of books in the Bible between Malachi and Matthew that, that is called the Apocrypha, we as uh, Protestants, we as uh, Pentecostals, uh, we, we, we do not believe that those books are part of the uh, canon of, of, the, of the scriptures. And that's something that we'll probably talk about in the fall. But God is silent for 400 years. And then all of a sudden, in the book of Matthew, and we'll talk about that later, I call it the return of God to his people where God announces through the angel Gabriel, which being, his Gabriel means man of God. He announced through the angel, an angel is a messenger, through Gabriel, that, that Zechariah, whose name means the Lord remembers, and Elizabeth, whose name means the Lord keeps his promises, that he is going to bless them with a son called John, whose name means the Lord is gracious. Their names itself remind you that no matter how long you've been waiting for God to do something, he has not forgotten you. And number two, as the theme of our year, the Lord keeps his promises. Ah. So you have this guy Malachi, whose name in Hebrew means my messenger. Well, if he has a, if he's a messenger, Who's he a messenger to? He's a messenger to the people of Judah. He's a messenger to the people of God. He's a messenger to the praisers. And so God, though this is a nice lesson that helps us to understand the Bible as we read it, God says, Pentecostal Tabernacle, those of you who are watching live stream, those of you who may be surfing the web and all of a sudden, uh, stumble upon the, our website and are listening to the sermon, God is saying, I have a message and it is for you. It is not who you thought, it is not for who you thought should be here. It is for you. Praise the Lord. And so let's, let, let's talk about the aptitude, the actions, and the attitude. So here's a series of things that God is complaining about. First of all, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 17, God says to Malachi, or to the people through Malachi, you have wearied the Lord with your words. But you said, how have we wearied him? You asked. And then God says, you have wearied him, or Malachi says, you have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased. That is, he is okay with them. 
you have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? And there's a problem with our aptitude, that is our head, the way we see things. Because many of us are looking at what's going on in America, in our government, and we think God doesn't care. We notice things that are going on in our own lives, and, and we say that God doesn't care, and, and, and God, where are you, and where's justice? And God says, you have wearied me by saying to me that it's that when people are not doing God things, that because I haven't dropped the hammer, I'm cool with it. And the Apostle Paul says this wonderful uh, phrase, I believe it's Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He says, the, the, the only reason why God is good to those who are doing evil is because, as Paul says, you don't know that the goodness of God is trying to lead you to repentance. There's another scripture that says, the Lord waits that he might be gracious. In other words, this attitude of a God who wants to send people to hell, the God who wants to drop the hammer, that's not the God we serve. He's a loving God, and he's trying to say, I'm trying to give you time to repent. I'm trying to give you time to notice what you're doing wrong, but you have mistaken my grace for, oh, I'm cool. God doesn't care. And then when he drops the hammer, you're like, why did you do that to me? God's like, I've given you years to deal with this. Years. I'm dealing with your aptitude. I'm dealing with your head. I'm dealing with basically saying, look, folks, I see situations that are evil. And so don't come up and jump in my face and say, God doesn't care. Oh, I do care. And, and, and before we you know, elbow the person next to us or think in our mind, mm, yes, God, that's right, we need to check up ourselves. How many times have God been speaking to you about things and you haven't changed your behavior and your attitude as a God? Well, maybe, maybe this is not a big deal to God. Oh, it's a big deal. Mm, it's quiet in this Pentecostal church. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. He says, so I haven't dropped the hammer. He says, because I am the Lord, I do not change, and that is why you descendants of Jacob, that is you, you Israelites, are not already destroyed. And I used to look at it as, as if God is saying, I am the Lord, I've changed not, and I still want my tithes. But I discovered that when I looked at that, what God was saying, I change not because the one thing that describes me is that I am good and I am merciful. So the reason why I haven't dropped the hammer, the reason why I'm giving you another opportunity to change your behavior is because I don't change. Well, what don't you change from? I don't change from being merciful. 
the word mercy for or the word mercy comes from a Latin word from which one of the definitions of this Latin word is bounteous. I am a bounteous God. And if you remember, I, des I describe bounteous as bounty. Which, what God does is that every time we make a mess, every time we're in a mess, every time someone messes with us, no matter what mess you find yourself in, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, God is merciful in that he has the ability to look at our mess and say, you know what? I didn't cause it. I could easily walk by and do nothing like the priest and the Levite when the Samaritan was messed up. But God, sorry, when the man who was beaten was messed up, but God says, I love you. And so I am bounteous, which means when you mess up or you're in a mess or people are messing with you, I am going to be the quicker picker-upper. So there are times when I have messed up and I've said to God, this blesses me, this illustration, because, you can take this, because God basically is saying, yeah, you made a mess, but I can clean it up. You know, that's good news. Yes, you messed up. You, you, you deserve to be and to get what you've sown, but in my mercy, I will clean up your mess. I will clean up relationships. I will clean up financial decisions that you shouldn't have made. I will clean up your mess. I'm a bounteous God. I am merciful. So, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercies endure forever. Here's a revelation. Here's a revelation. He didn't say your lifetime. He, he said forever, which means if I made a mess in my children's life and I passed away, God has the ability to still step in time, though I'm dead, and clean up the mess that I made. And if some, ah, if you may, you, some of you right now, you are lamenting of decisions your parents have made, so stuff in your life that have messed you up, and now they're gone, and they're in the grave, and they're dead, and you're looking at that grave, so say, you messed me up, but God is saying, I have the ability to still clean up their mess that they made in your life, you ought to give me praise. It is the devil that will make you think that, you know, because of what my parents did, I'm just stuck. You're not stuck. He can clean up the mess. That, honey, that's a good word. That wasn't even in my notes. You know, that just could give you five right now. That was a, that was a bad word right there. Okay. Okay. So, he goes on to say, You have scorned my decrees, meaning my words, and you failed to obey my words. Now return 
to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, again, there you go again. But you ask, how can we return when we never had gone away? So clueless that we can walk away from fellowship with God and not even know it. It's not called back jumping. <laughs> Nobody ever usually doesn't back jump. I mean, back, they, they backslide. It, it's a, what do you mean backslide? I was walking with God and now God is still moving forward, but I'm moving backwards. I'm going back to mess. And God says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, clueless, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God says, you have cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. And because you cheated me, you are under a curse for your whole nation. Man, it's, it's bad that one person, all y'all. <laughs> Notice, not only are you cheating me, you've been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And, and, and I used to wonder why he had to keep saying the Lord of hosts. The Lord. Why didn't he just say the Lord? This, this, he doesn't say it's the Lord who's speaking this. He said it's the Lord of heaven's armies. Because what he's saying is that there's a scripture in Psalm 66 that says the Lord will give a word and great is the company of angels that publish that word, which means make it come to pass. In other words, there are things that you think God is doing in your life, but it's angels. Angels are not in heaven twinkling a harp. They are, they are, they are, they're at, they're at the starting line. And when you say, my God shall supply all my need, the Lord releases the angel and says, get the need. Get the supply. Get the supply. They can hardly wait. Angels are looking at us right now and say, God, let me do what they won't do. Thank you, child. He says, you're under curse. Bring all the tithes into my house so there'll be enough. If you do, I will open the windows, plural, of heaven for you. Let me put it in modern vernacular. I will open up windows of opportunity. The word opportunity comes from a Latin word 
Op, which means toward, and portis, which means the port or the harbor. Are you with me? And the reason why, mm, the reason why a ship goes to a port or a harbor is because it wants to unload but also get loaded. Mm. And so God is saying, Psalm 68 verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord, King James Version, who daily loads me with blessings. God is saying, if you would tithe, I will open windows of opportunity. Mm. And he says, and he says, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will grant them I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not, your grape will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord. Then, then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. The word Eden literally means delight. God says, I want to bring you back into Eden where you don't have to work, I do the work. Oh my. Test me in this. Test me in this. Ah. Xavier, come up here, sir. Test me in this. I, I need you to take care of my house. Praise the Lord. We got the scaffolding up for the window. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Only three people clap, but that's all right. Amen. We're going to beautify the Lord's house. Now, oh, you, I don't know, maybe he's called to be a preacher. He walked right up on the pulpit. Like, okay, so what God says, what God says is this is what I want. So, God. Everybody with me so far? Now, I want, I want, you may want to close your eyes for this because you're going to be, you're going to be uh, judged by what you know. Mm. And so, what God says is, okay, let me see, one, two, three, you want more? Okay, four, you don't look so happy, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Stay there. Stay there. Okay? Ten. And so God says, okay, I want you to tithe to me. Okay? So I gave you one dollar. Correct? You sure now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, because I gave you one dollar, Okay, God is saying, when you're tied, that I want you to give me 10% back, which is a dime. Okay, 
Okay? Okay, now, watch this now. Watch this. So, God is saying, I'm your source. Oh, this is heavy. You need to close your eyes, but you can hear my voice, though. And God's saying, everything you have, Xavier, belongs to me. I'm slapping my, my lips. Okay. Well, how do you know? But what, what do you mean? Ain't nobody in this room. Oh, this is good. You stay right there. I love this. Nobody in this room came into this world with a wallet. <laughs> Some of you remember Arsenio Hall back in the day, things that make you go, hmm. Some of you, you look probably, if you no, know, depending on how much health care you have, you celebrate the birth of your child, and then you see the bill and you say, oh, Jesus. The child does not come out of the womb and says, okay, doc, here's the, you know, thank you for birthing me. Hey, hey, Miss Nurse, come over here. Mr. Nurse, come over. Oh, and it's, yeah, come over here. I'm paying. Mom, Dad, don't worry about it. I got this. No. <laughs> the Bible, I don't even need the Bible for this. Naked, I came. Oh, Jesus. So that means whatever you receive in this world came from God. It's amazing. So, Xavier, come on, you look interested, buddy. <laughs> there you go. You got a, such a great smile. Uh, you better pray over him because all the la chicas are going to be after him. Anyway, so that's for my Honduras folks. And so, uh, so here you are. Thank you. My, 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 my woman, my wife's like, honey, watch the edge. So, <laughs> Xavier's praying, oh God, get me a job. Oh God, I need your help. Oh God, and God in his graciousness says, you know what? I, I'm going to give you my money. My money. Because if you had the money, you wouldn't be praying. And all I'm asking for, I say, all I'm asking for, buddy, is for you to give me a dime of what belongs to me. It all belongs to me. But I'm kind enough to let you keep 90%. Just give me a dime. And give it to me joyfully. Yeah, I want to smile on your face because if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have a dollar to give me the dime. But every Sunday, and now I made it so easy for you that you could sit at a computer, you can sit on a bus. You can be in your pajamas and pay your tithes online. And yet, every week, I'm like, 
Give me some. Give me, give me what belongs to me. And you're taking, you, you're not even satisfied with your 90%. You're taking my dime. And then, after taking my money, you have the audacity to come up in my face and say, Lord, please, I need more. Why am I going to make you a bigger thief than you already are? person who says, God, I love you so much that I'm not just going to give you a dime. Woo! I'm going to give you an offering. I'm going to give you a dime. I'm going to give you another dime, which means I'm going to give you 10% that already belongs to you anyways. But I'm going to give you an offering, which is another 10%, because my heart says, you've been so good to me that I'm not worthy to keep 90%. I'm going to keep 80%. And because, and because see, you, you, you taught your son well. And because, because he said, I'm just going to give it all to you, God says, I'm going to pour out of heaven windows a blessing. That's all yours. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. And you see what's happening is that you're so blessed that you don't, you don't have time to worry about people getting on your case because you're like, what are you, I'm blessed. Can't, I can't, I'm blessed. And, and, and you're so blessed, huh? You're so blessed that you say, hey, come here, sweetheart. I, I, I can't take this all, so why don't you help me Pick up some of this blood. Come on, because I'm so blessed. No sense of me keeping this myself. So, woo. Oh, anybody like this kind of life? And and now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. If he blesses you so much that you have no room, that means he's expecting you to be a blessing. So why don't you just walk around and so why don't you just walk around, Xavier, and just Cause you're so blessed. Look at it. He he needs two hands. So why don't you just he's just gonna go around and bless people. Xavier, bless some people in the back, okay? Some people, you know, they give them one dime. Okay. Don't don't, don't now. This is me speaking, not the Lord. Don't give away too much. Keep the rest for yourself. Hmm. 
And, and you're looking at this and say, what can I do with a dime? This dime is to remind you that if you stop on a dime, God will bless you. Amen. That's all he's asking you to do. Here you go, sir. Yeah. Ah. Everybody sit with me. I've seen so many people. David said, I'm young and now I'm old. Haven't seen the righteous forsaken. Or it's children begging bread. You know why? Because God it keeps pouring out blessings. And this is the this is the deep part. Oh my God. The revelations is coming. When you serve God faithfully. Listen, folks, listen to this. When you serve God faithfully, he says, you won't have room enough to receive this. Are you hearing this? Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Because if you, if you do this, you're smart, you'll be smart. What God is saying is that you won't have not simply room in your life, but you cannot live long enough for me to give you all the blessings I have for you. So after you die, I have to bless your children because you didn't have room enough in your life to receive all that I have for you. Some of you are taking credit for blessings that God was given to your grandparents. Because they were so faithful, God says, you're not going to live long enough, so I got to bless your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. And that's why one generation calls to another, the Lord is good. If you don't want to be a blessing to your own life, be a blessing to your children who aren't even born yet. Woo. I think we need to pause there and give God some praise right now. Then. God is setting up your children. He's setting up your grandchildren. Don't ever, some of you, you would never be in this country except for your, 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 your parent who was illiterate, your grandparent who was illiterate, couldn't even put two vowels together. But somehow they prayed, oh God, do something for my children. And now you're graduating from Harvard and MIT and BC and Wellesley and Yale and Princeton. They're like, how did I get here? I'll tell you how you got there. Somebody! in your genealogy said, God, I'm faithful to you. And he says, you don't have enough room in your life for me to bless you. So my hand will come and pluck your child, your grandchild out of some, out of the ghetto, out of some neighborhood, 
out of, out of some tribe in Africa will select you, not your friends, you. Oh, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Everybody said, how are you doing all this? I'm well aware that nine years ago, people were crying out, God, do something for us. I'm, I'm well aware that I am walking in the blessings and the endowments of people who prayed hours and hours and hours for this church. And though that window there, yeah, I'll give you the price, the sticker shock. Though that window costs $100,000. Mm -hmm. No, sorry, I was wrong. $110,000. Uh -huh. God is going to give us the money to repair it because there's too many prayers in our history to let that window end like that. And if you think that's bad, the window behind you is $190,000. But God got something to prove. God got something to prove. Mm. Woo. And so here, here, God is dealing with the first argument, and I'll go quickly to finish this up. The first argument, God is dealing with our aptitude and our heads. This one, he's dealing with the actions of our hands. You're stealing from me. You're withholding from me. And through this, I, I, I made, I wrote up a tither's prayer. And I started praying it and all of a sudden, God just started blessing. Let me just read it quickly for you. I wasn't going to read it, and I can send you a copy later. But I, 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 I made a prayer based on Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. And I said, Father, you are the Lord, and you do not change. And that is why we, the descendants of Abraham, by faith, can rest on your mercies. We do not scorn your decrees, nor do we fail to obey them. Lord, well, I'll talk about me. Lord, I regularly return to you, and you draw closer to me. Lord, I have not cheated you of what is due to you. Therefore, I am not under any curse. I have brought all the tithes into your storehouse so that there will be enough food in your temple. And because I have obeyed, you have promised that you will open the windows of heaven for me. You will pour out a blessing so great that I won't have room enough to take in the blessings. You commanded me to try it, and you commanded me to put you to the test. So, Lord, you promised that my crops, my yield, what I produce, my harvest, my results, my income, my output, my revenue, my earnings, the things that turn, the things that turn out for me will be abundant. You promise that you will guard my income from anything that cuts into it. You will guard my income from collapse and disorder. You promise that my harvest will not be wasted before they are ripe. 
And you, the Lord of heaven's army, promise that because I give you tithes and offering, all the nations will call me blessed. That whenever and wherever I reside, that place will be the Garden of Eden. That's my declaration to the Lord. And he has already started moving. So the question is, you can't declare what you're not doing. Third point, and then fourth point, I'll finish. So now God has an argument about what we said with our heads. He has an argument with our actions and our hands. And now the final attitude, the final argument is our attitude and our hearts. Who Jesus? He says in chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, everybody with me so far? He says, you have said terrible things about me. Now that's bad. You have said terrible things about me, said the Lord. But what do you mean? What have we said against you? Watch this. Oh, this is deep. You have said, what's the use in serving God? Some of you didn't say that with your lips. You said it with your heart. What's the use in going to church? What's the use in tithing? What's the use in serving? What's the use? What have we gained by obeying your commandments and trying to show the Lord that we're sorry for sin? What's the the use in staying a virgin before I get married? What's the use of not going out with an unsaved guy, an unsaved woman? What, what, what's the use of, what's the use? I, verily, I have kept myself pure in vain. What's the use? You have said, what's the use in serving God? Mm. Why should we be sorry for our, for our sins? From now on, we'll call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them, God doesn't seem to do anything to them. God sees our heart and I'm not, I don't want you to feel guilty about this. What what I want to say is that the devil has put a virus in our hearts that causes our mouth to say, God, what, what's, the use in, what's the use in serving you? What's the use in praying if nothing is happening? But I want to end with this. If we're going to break free and repent and get on the road to blessing and recovery and favor, and all blessing means is to be empowered to succeed, and success is doing what God has called you to do. Here's one of the things, and I'm going to stop right here, and I want to ask you, Megan, if you could help me here. Here's a solution. After Malachi speaks, in verses, chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, then those, are you with me? Everybody with me? Are you with me? Yeah, good. Those who fear the Lord spoke with each other. Those who fear the Lord spoke with each other, okay? Community. 
and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's army. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. Verse 18, then you again will see the difference between those who serve God and those who do not. And what the Lord is saying, the thing that will protect my aptitude, my head from thinking crazy things, my hands from doing crazy actions, and my heart from having a crazy attitude is community. I need, I need, uh, Xavier, could you come up here again, seeing that I gave you that money, you might as well earn it. Uh, <laughs> amen. See, this is what community does. Come up here, sir. This is what community does. I may pay you some extra money for this, because community is somebody sees you walking towards the end, uh, edge, and take a, take a step, take a step. And community says, no, don't jump. How many of you have ever had a good friend that said, don't do that, and grabbed you from the edge before you're about to make a mess of your life? That, that's why you need community. That's why you need people around you. Are, are you following me so far? And so, Megan, why don't you come here? Thank you, sir. And you know, you know you, I tell you, you are, you're just earning all sorts of money in God's house. All right. Okay. So, Miss Megan, because she understands community. She, the lovely Megan, used to attend PT, uh, but she's still part of the community. Amen. And so, Megan, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this pencil, and, and what I want you to do, uh, ooh, give me three more minutes. I want you to break it. Mm -hmm. okay. And just throw it away. Just throw it away. Throw it away. This is one time you get to do it in church. Just throw it away. <laughs> There's another pencil. Just break, break it. it. Yeah. Just throw it away. Okay. Okay. John 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so what happens many times, that devil, when you don't have community, he just takes you, breaks you, and throws you away, okay? So what God has called this church to do is to restore broken lives. So what happens is that, so we have this pencil, and this pencil was broken, it still is broken, but it has a Band-Aid around it, okay? But it needs to heal. But the devil, no offense, <laughs> no offense, no offense, I only brought you up here because I want to bless you. Okay. Okay. But the devil, he doesn't play fair. He waits till you're in your most vulnerable position. And you're trying to get healed. And he's looking to break you. Are you with me? 
So what happens is that God says, if you get yourself in community, try to break that. See, and, 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 and why the devil, he's trying to break you, but he can't because you're hidden. In community. And, and when you are restored, now you can get on the outside while somebody else is broken on the inside. And the devil, as, as the men's ministry said one year, together we stand. That's why you need community. I want you to pause right now and I want to bless you. I just brought you up here because I wanted to bless you. <laughs> we need to learn. I, I want you to take two minutes, one minute, one minute, because I'm, I'm, I'm finished. And I want you to just, if you could just ask the permission for us. You can just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And if, you know, and if they don't want, don't, don't, don't get, be offended if they don't want to. No, some people don't, no, they don't want, and that's fine. I want, you to, I want you to pray for the person who you're touching right now or who's next to you right now. And I want you to ask God to help them to find community. Community may be in a ministry in the church. It may be in a small group in this church. But you've got to find community. And I want you to just pray right now. Just, just one minute. Lord, help my brother, help my sister to find that person who's going to pull them from the edge. Help my brother. There's, there's no lone rangers. As long as you're a lone, lone ranger, the enemy will pick you off. The enemy will pick you off. even as we have this outing at our church. Don't be a lone ranger. It's an opportunity this afternoon to check out some communities, check out some groups. When you're in community, you will be missed. In the middle of service, I text my brother, uh, Jamil, uh, who had surgery on his knees, and he's going to be away from the church for, for two months. But he has a community of brothers who are constantly texting him. Hey, how you doing? He's even watching right now. Hey, Jamil, just letting you know, you're still part of the community. But if you're not a part of the community, you're by yourself, and the enemy is going to pick you off one by one. And some of you say, well, I'm married, and I have my kids. That's my community. No, that's not community, your community. You need community beyond your wife, your husband your brother, your sister in the natural, your parents. You need community. Holy Spirit. And we need to open our hearts to welcome people into community. There are people in this church who are far, thousands of miles away from their closest relatives. And they come to Boston, this place, this northeastern cold place, looking for community, looking for somebody who will accept them as they are and say, you know what, I love you. You don't have to perform for me. I, I just, I just want to be a part of your life to support you and to pray for you.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time as a congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our heads, in our aptitude to not say things contrary to what you Once you speak, out of our mouth should be amen. Lord, I pray even for our actions of our hands that our hands should be a blessing to people, a blessing to work. And Lord, I pray for our hearts, our attitude, attitude, the proper heart. If there's any viruses in our hearts of arrogance, anger, jealousy, unforgiveness, all of the things that we've excused, all the things that you say but you say, help us, Holy Spirit, to just say, God, cleanse my heart, purify my motives. 